Ladies and gentlemen, my dear friends, thank you for joining me yet again for another crushing episode of the Daniel Cleveland podcast. Today might just be the greatest day we've had to date with a man you may or may not have heard of, but you certainly should have heard of him. His name is Ben Pakulski. He's known as the bodybuilding yogi. He is the CEO of Muscle Intelligence, a former Mr. Olympia competitor, a podcaster, and renowned entrepreneur. His company's mission is to empower 1 billion people with the knowledge, skill set, and self-confidence to live your greatest life in a body you love. Mindset, or mind flow, as Ben called it, is everything to Ben. This podcast not only goes into the massive impact self-talk can have on your personal development, it also is full of tactics for leveraging exercise, reading, and mentorship to build the business or life that you desire. It doesn't matter where you are in your journey, there is plenty to take away from this short and powerful conversation. So, please enjoy, and if you do enjoy, please hit that like button, share it up with your friends and loved ones, and of course, we always appreciate if you subscribe to the show. This episode is brought to you by the sponsorship of Soltara Healing Center, Shipibo Plant Medicine Healing Center in Costa Rica. If you are called to explore the world of ayahuasca or plant medicine healing, you can get in touch with Soltara at soltara.co or by conveniently calling 1-800-397-1730 or simply follow Soltara on Instagram at Soltara Healing Center and across all social media channels with the same name. If you'd like to check out my website, it is danielcleland.com. And of course, we are also on YouTube under Daniel Cleland and on social media at Daniel C. Cleland. So thank you again for checking this out. Really appreciate your time and attention. And I hope you enjoyed this episode. Much love to you, my friends. All right. We are live today with Ben Pakulski, the man, the myth, and the legend. Ben Pakulski, the founder of Muscle Intelligence, famous, famous bodybuilder, world-famous bodybuilder, competed in Mr. Olympia, and uh, it's a, a renowned entrepreneur with huge community on Facebook, social media, Instagram, and uh, YouTube as well. Um, we'll dig into more about Ben in this show but the most interesting thing I found about Ben is uh, his mission, which I'll get to in a second. But first off, I wanted to acknowledge the fact that we've got three London boys in the room right now. You're from London? Well, Jesse, Jesse and I are both from Walkerton, Ontario. Yeah. So right? I'm, I'm originally from Toronto, but I went to school in, in London. I went to Western. Right. And like we're all yeah. the same age. We're all born in 1981. Yeah. We probably spent like four years in London at the exact same time. <laughs> probably the same bars at the same time, just didn't know it. Yeah, yeah. So you Not that to... I ever went to a bar when I was in university. <laughs> yeah, right. The, uh, well, I don't know if you're being serious or not. but no. No. I think that that's um, part of the, in order to graduate from Western, you must attend Jim Bob Ray's and the Seeps at least, you know, once a week. Yeah. Class. Yeah. Did you ever work security or anything in any I did, of those? I did, the, I did the seeps very briefly. I was never really much of a, I mean, I did in Toronto at nightclubs, but I didn't really want to do that at university. Yeah, I worked, uh, I worked briefly at, um, at uh, Jim Bob's. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know the same people. I guarantee yeah. we know all the same For people. sure, for sure. Yeah. I also, you know, I went to Fanshawe, right? I didn't go to that. I didn't go to Western. I went to Fanshawe. And I worked uh, security for about a year at the Outback Shack. Remember yeah. that place? I've never been there, no. Okay. Yeah, it was, uh, 
little more crude probably than the Western crew, but um, it was a hell of a time, man. Uh, you know, uh, four years in London. Um, it's gotten to a lot of trouble in that city. <laughs> and so much. And honestly, I still run into my great, my college buddies now and some great stories that sometimes you forget, right? And you're like, and they're telling, they're saying stories about me. And I'm like, man, I don't even remember that stuff. And uh, it's definitely a good time of our life for sure. So what, what was most different about you then than, than who you are right now? Um, I was obviously very focused on, on being a top bodybuilder at that time. And, you know, I was, I would train three and four times a week and I was still probably my highest val my highest priority, even though I did kind of um, put it on the back burner for the four years while I was at school. So prior to school, I was all bodybuilding. And then I went to school and I decided, you know, you, you got to do well here. So I, I just trained three and four times a week. Um, but, you know, still had a social life. And then I guess once that was done, the social life all kind of went away. Once, once university was done, I think I got it out of my system. And then I committed to about 10, 12 years of, of being a professional bodybuilder. And now, I mean, I'm a completely different human, right? I mean, you know, your values change and now it's very entrepreneurial based. The things that I value most now are, are growing my mission and, and supporting my mission and, and being with my family. And so it's very, very different than it was 20 years ago at, uh, you know, Jim Bob Ray's in London, Ontario. <laughs> right on. Well, that's great that you, you found your path so early on in your life. Like very few people are able yeah. to do that. I feel incredibly blessed to have accomplished something significant, quote, you know, quote unquote significant. I, I don't uh, try to blow smoke up my own butt about having accomplished anything cool, but you know, it's this this idea of, of the second mountain, right? So a lot of people spend their entire life trying to accomplish something and never get it. And a lot of times it's something that they don't even realize is superficial and won't be and won't be fulfilling to them, right? So for me, the, the muscle building thing was what I thought I wanted when I was a kid. And, um, you know, you get to the top of that proverbial mountain and you realize it's empty. It's not what you want. And so now I feel like I'm on the second mountain and I, and I feel like this is the, the, mash, the mountain that's more in alignment with my soul's purpose and, uh, you know, with my, um, my, my real reason for being here on earth. And it just feels so much more in alignment, whereas the muscle building thing was something I love to do, but it always felt out of alignment. It didn't feel, um, it just didn't, wasn't fulfilling to me. It was, it was like me trying to run away from something rather than me kind of moving into alignment with my soul. Sure. So, so your mission now seems to be much more service oriented. I'll quote the mission on off your website to empower 1 billion people, 1 billion people with the knowledge, skill set, and self-confidence to live your greatest life in a body you love. Loving your body means you can stop stressing, show up at your highest and best, and create your greatest impact on the world. We believe that changing the world begins with loving yourself inside and out first. Love this mission. Ah, okay. I, I love this mission. It aligns deeply with my own mission which is to heal and self-actualize so we can make the greatest impact. And that's a lot of, you know, what we do here is like the, the, the greatest part about medicine to me, the medicine work is like, you know, catalyzing people to become uh, better, like in, in their lives, you know? Yeah. And so do you want to talk about your, your mission and kind of what you're doing around that? Sure. So I think that um, change in whatever form that exists um, has to begin with awareness, right? I have to become aware of what I'm trying to change. So I think medicine can have a very similar uh, effect as what I'm trying to do, right? Is, is like, we're just bringing you into the present and bringing you into a, a state of awareness. And, you know, exercise, as I teach it, is this opportunity to tap into awareness and, and become present in your body and become present in your life or disconnect and become unconscious. And that was kind of how I began down this journey, right? As I started realizing that I could use um, exercise, whatever it is, whether it be muscle building or, or CrossFit or uh, aerobic exercise or walking down the road or yoga or whatever, as, as an opportunity to connect with my body and feel what's going on inside of my body. So rather than existing in my head where it's this constant perpetual thinking loop, I can now start connecting with what, what I feel inside my body and start, you know, being a little bit more in tune with my what's happening below my neck. And I realized that was like such an incredible um, dichotomy almost from what was being taught in the mainstream. Everyone's like, just go in there and you know, put your heavy metal on and work really hard and be mindless and just work, you know, crush it. And then you're, you're literally punishing your body rather than honoring your body. And I think it's this interesting paradigm of, of um, 
you know, people intentionally trying to harm themselves. I'm like, I'm just going to go and crush it because I'm angry rather than like loving and embracing your body and realizing your body is a vehicle for adventure. And yes, you can get stronger. And yes, you can challenge it, but not from a place of anger and contempt. Because then if you if you are anchoring anger and contempt during a workout, you're just going to get more anger and contempt in the rest of your life because you're literally wiring those neural pathways. So I started taking on this approach of like, what does it look like to go in the gym and develop and to develop an appreciation for my body, uh, a celebration for my body, uh, you know, a virtuous being, right? So becoming virtuous, and that's developing character and developing virtue or embodying virtue rather than something that is uh, vice, vicious ultimately, right? Which is this idea of uh, egocentricity, um, you know, fear, inadequacy, um, whatever, uh, external gratification, right? Which is typically what's perpetuated in the media now in the fitness industry. So for me, it's just this completely polarizing view of like either you're going to the gym and you're becoming a better version of yourself, both physically and mentally, or you're not. And you may be getting better physically, but, you know, you're never going to be happy. And the way this kind of came to me, Dan, was, you know, I remember walking on stage at the Mr. Olympia contest and realizing it wasn't everything I thought it was going to be. Right. I was the best I've ever looked in my life. And I still didn't feel that sense of fulfillment and internal accomplishment. I felt disconnected. And that's really was was the catalyst for me going, what the hell is going on? Why is this happening? Like I've accomplished all these things that everyone else in the world looks up to me and thinks I've got everything together, but on the inside, I feel empty. So that's really what, what kind of turned the tables for me. And, you know, this idea of shining the light on everything outside of myself, which is what most people do, right? They're like, I want that money. I want that spouse. I want that house. I want that car. That's shining the light outside of yourself. And if you really want to find fulfillment, uh, it, it's shining life on the inside, the light on the inside. And now, we can do that through anything we do, right? Including being present with you, including working out, including meditation and mindfulness and yoga and all those things. But whatever you're doing, be here now. And, and then ultimately, it's this opportunity to develop the most virtuous version of yourself. A lot of wisdom there. The pearl, the pearl in chasing goals, I think for me is um, becoming the person that's able to win that goal, not so much the goal itself. Yeah. Yep. Right. That's Jim Rohn, right? Jim, I mean, at least who I know as that quote for is like set the type of goal or set the goal to be a millionaire, not for the money, but for the, the person it makes of you to achieve it. Right. So set the type of goal that makes you stretch as a person to achieve it. And that's that's it. So goal setting is huge, but not not for the goal. Right. 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 I, I want to make it. I want to help a billion people, not because I care about, you know, ultimately making the money from a billion people. It's like, who am I going to have to become? both like internally and externally, right? So that I would say internal, like who am I at my soul level where people will follow this person because they see him as being so strong and virtuous and a leader versus, and, and externally, when I say externally, I mean like skills, like what skills am I going to have to acquire to interact with the, with the world? Um, and that's the only way you're going to, you're going to impact a billion people is if you have both this internal solidarity and this external skill set. Exactly. Yeah. And if you can, uh, if you can get passionate about getting better, like you get passionate about actually getting better, not so much, uh, not so much the rewards you get for getting better, you know, then you're just, you're always passionate. Yeah. I I, I had a great conversation with a behavioralist last week, a behavioral expert, and she was asking me whether it's a toward behavior and away behavior, you know, like meaning, are you, when you, when you're doing all this personal growth, are you moving away from, the fear of not being enough or are you moving toward the, the, the desire of being your greatest self? And I thought about that for a long time. I'm like, I really don't know the answer. And I thought about it, it was probably for the last week and I realized it's both. And, and I think that's why um, it's so strong for me because at any one moment I could be really voraciously moving toward my dream or in, in the very next moment, I could be voraciously moving away from my, like, I don't ever want to not be my greatest. And again, whether or not that's the right way to approach it, I think that's just why it's such a strong pull for me. Yeah, man, that's uh, that's very powerful to say. Um, it's almost like if you're if you're working to get away from something, you can almost never fulfill that because uh, you're just always going to be working to get away from it. You, you'll never actually what it is, depending on what it is, right? I mean, you could you could say, well, maybe at some point you just go, yeah, I'm kind of over that now. And that was kind of my thing with bodybuilding, right? Is why maybe I stopped bodybuilding because it was an away behavior for me. I was running away from fear and inadequacy. Once I no longer had that fear and inadequacy, I was like, well, why the hell am I doing this? And I didn't have the purpose anymore. I didn't care about being Mr. Olympia. I did early in my life, but it was for superficial reasons, right? It was because who I thought it was going to make of me. 
And then I had this this uh, internal battle in my mind after you know 15 years of, of myopically wanting to be Mr. Olympia. And now the battle was, why do I want to do it? Do I still want to do it? And will it be worth it to me if I win? And my kids were to say, you weren't a good dad, you weren't present. And uh, the answer is obviously no. Like there, there's absolutely nothing in the world that would be worth my kids saying you're a terrible parent. So at that point, I was like, okay, I don't have a reason to do this anymore. There was no, there was no pull. There was no toward behavior, right? There was all sure. this away behavior in the beginning. And then there was no more to pull. There was no more toward. Do you see any undercurrents of change in the bodybuilding community? You're super connected in the bodybuilding community. Right. You know, um, I know you're you're friends with Dorian Yates as well, who's a, who's a guy who's moved toward kind of a more uh, yeah, spiritual. Yeah. Yeah. Do you see a lot of this taking place, moving into spirituality, yoga, plant medicines, anything like that? Not yet, Dan. Not yet. But I'll tell you what, I, I I'm certainly the I'm certainly in high hopes about being the catalyst for that, because I know this audience is the one that perhaps most needs it. And maybe I have a really good uh, platform within that within that audience because I've been there and I've done what they want to do. And I hope Dorian and I, you know, I talked to him about this, and I hope him and I together, if he's interested, can combine forces and go like, hey, all that shit you think you're aspiring to is awesome. And I don't think bodybuilding is wrong, right? I want to clarify that. I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with becoming a professional bodybuilder. It's, it's acknowledging along the way the person you're becoming in the process. So are you reinforcing vice, which is external gratification and egocentricity and ultimately anger and fear, or are you reinforcing virtue, which is like celebrating your wins, reinforcing strength and character and discipline, right? And they all exist in the same, in the exact same activities. It's just literally where you put your mind. Are you celebrating in a positive way and going, I'm, I'm really happy and I'm moving towards something positive, or are you just constantly beating yourself with the stick? And I think both of them are necessary. One of them gets you going, but the other one's going to take you the full way. I think we can really shift um, the entire consciousness of the fitness community if we just make them aware of this reality that it doesn't mean you need to do anything differently. Maybe you will choose to do things differently, but it doesn't necessarily mean you need to. What would you do with Dorian if, if you guys were to partner up on something? Well, I just think there's a platform, right? Between him and I, we could probably reach most, if not all, people in the fitness industry. And it looks like... Um, just creating a message that's harmonious that people, you know, people are like, wow, that guy looked like that. And that guy looked like that. And now they're saying, well, you know, yes, they love the journey, but maybe it's not all that, that they thought it was going to be. And again, I, I don't in any way belittle what I did or what he did. And that's not the point. The point is realizing that that's not the, the end of the journey, right? That's not the, the end result. That's not the goal. The goal is becoming the best version of yourself. The goal is connecting deeper with your soul, understanding who you are at an unconscious soul-based level. And if you can do that, it may still be to become a professional bodybuilder. It may not be, but it may still be. And uh, I think just acknowledging that it doesn't need to be a mask. It doesn't need to be an armor like mine was, right? It needs to be um, building up my myself so I have the strength for two, not that I'm trying to, to keep the world out. Yeah, and it's... Uh... It's, it's an unfortunate commonality, it seems, you know, when you, you look at some of the, the bodybuilding documentaries or hear some of the legendary guys like Ronnie Coleman, you know, talk on camera, like on Rogan or uh, what have you. But some guys, you know, kind of struggle to find the life after the bodybuilding. Yeah. Um, Ronnie's a special case, man, because people put him down because he says, you know, they say, you know, Ronnie, would you do it differently now? And he says, no. But being who Ronnie was or who Ronnie is. He was the only one that had the balls to push the limits. And, and you know, if you're driving your car and you're driving at 100 miles an hour, you're, you're going really fast, which most bodybuilders will say we'll drive at 100 miles an hour. But Ronnie goes, well, I'm going 100 miles an hour. Let's see if this thing can do 200 miles an hour. And he's just like, he's the only guy that, I mean, not maybe there's other guys, but he's the only guy who said, I'm going to push every single aspect of what this body can do. And that's, you know, whether good or bad, there's, there's, honor in that, right? There's honor in saying, man, I have no idea what's going to happen. Like this thing's going to go off the rails, but I'm going to push. Um, I think there, there's, there's something to be respected about that. Um, whereas most people just push one thing, right? They'll push the easy button. They'll push the steroid button. It's like, I'm just going to do more steroids. I'm not going to train hard. I'm not going to eat really well. I'm going to party my face off and I take a bunch of steroids. And that's not a good idea. Like Ronnie was, was the consummate professional, man. And mm. I think taking anything away from him is just wrong. And even though he isn't conscious enough to acknowledge 
what he's done throughout that, you know, 30, 25 year career. Um, I, I think we just need to step back and go, man, what he's done has so much honor and merit that we have to thank him. And regardless if he's, if he's woken up to his, you know, his, his unconscious, his soul's purpose at all, it's, I think it's irrelevant. Do you think that's the end of those type of legends between him and Dorian and you and, and, you know, the guys, no, I think that I think the next one is yet to come, and the next one will uh, will change the industry. And I, I think it's more along the lines of the stuff we're talking about. That I think the next person who comes along is going to be someone who does it in a way that completely changes the way people look at exercise, similar to the way Arnold did, right? Like Arnold came along and completely changed the paradigm of exercise, completely changed the paradigm of bodybuilding, the way people looked at it. I think that's the the next transition in the world. There's going to be someone that comes along. And brings a physique that's just mind-blowing and does it in a way that's completely counterintuitive. Um, I really believe that's the future. And they're going to do it in a way where, so here's my, here's where my, again, this is the story I tell myself. When I was 15 years old, I started looking at bodybuilding and I thought it was gross. When I was 17, I started reading Flex magazines and I still thought it was gross, but at least I thought it was interesting. Um, and I started looking for, I started to want to be put on more muscle because I thought it was interesting. And I started looking for someone who I could model. I started looking for someone who, you know, had a great physique, understood like an educational approach, understood nutrition, could teach me how to train, but also was a good human being. And this is going to sound like an insult, but it's not. I couldn't find one. And that's not saying they they weren't a good person, just saying their outward persona wasn't made that way. Like they felt like they had to create this, this superhero outward wall of like their outward persona is this angry, like you're putting on angry faces in every picture. And that was the only persona I saw. So it's really interesting, even at 17 years old, to acknowledge like, man, I don't want to be like any of these guys. Like, I want to do this, but I actually want to be, you know, have the outward persona of like, hey, I don't have to be an asshole when I do this. I don't have to be angry. Why does this have to be angry? I started asking that question. And sometimes I did become angry, but only because I, I think that that was the only model I had. So I hope that somebody comes along in the future and says, hey, hard work doesn't have to be associated or synonymous with anger. Hard work can be discipline, can be perseverance, can be um, motivational, inspirational. It doesn't have to be angry, or it doesn't have to come from a place of self, self-contempt or, um, you know, being so angry and hating the world, like most bodybuilders get the stereotype for, right? And so I, I hope that the next person that comes along embodies that. And there are people in the industry that do that now. There's no question. There's like Flex Lewis is one that comes to mind. Even Brandon Curry, the last year's Mr. Olympia comes to mind. Rami, again, these guys are all coming into their, their own where they're actually, and again, whether it's internal, external matters, because a bodybuilder could be a wonderful person on the inside. So I don't want to place judgment on who they are on the inside, but their external persona is always closed off. It's always hard. It's always like, I don't want to talk to anybody. Leave me alone when I'm training, you know, the uh, shadow or yeah, right. Right. And, and so now you see Dorian, like, man, if we had known that Dorian 30 years ago, it would have completely changed the sport, right? It would have completely changed who follows the sport. So as you know, the sport is diving, right? There's so many fewer people going into that sport but all it takes is like one person to be the catalyst for people going, wow, that guy's got that body and he's got that brain and he's actually pulling his shit together. And he's, he's got like a complete life. I want that. And it can come, it can come back around. Hmm. Any, uh, any commonalities between the, uh, the people that, that professional bodybuilders look up to as role models is there like a couple famous people in the industry that are like well you got to listen to this guy or you gotta watch well, I think that rock's guy. a good example isn't he like i obviously i don't know him very well personally uh, obviously i've met him at the olympias and arnold and stuff but i don't know him personally and he seems like he's embodying that right he seems like he's embodying like hey man i've got this superhero body and i'm a dad and i'm, I'm a gentle giant with my daughter and i'm a good human being whether or not he is i don't know that's his external persona so that to me is, uh, I think, what the bodybuilding world needs to turn around. And I, I think The Rock may be the, the guy to start giving other bodybuilders permission to stop being, you know, for lack of a better word, because of my poverty of language, a-holes, right? Like what else? I think The Rock, and he's doing it for a lot of people that I know. It's like, hey, man, you can, you can look awesome and be strong and be very masculine and have an open heart and have a big heart and, and have love uh, as kind of the, at the forefront of your emotions. Sure. Were there any, uh, were there any favorites that you had when you were in your training years, the rock? 
I mean, he was a wrestler at that yeah, time. Dorian, Dorian was my guy, man. Dorian was my first ever idol. And uh, Dorian and Jay Cutler. So I went to the Mr. Olympia in 1998, and then I went again in 1999. Jay was there. And Jay got like 16th or 15th or something at the at the 99. And uh, I said, I leaned over to the person I was with, and I said, that guy's going to be the next Mr. Olympia. He was way at the back. You could see his structure, like tiny waist, huge quads, huge wide shoulders. Just need to fill it in a little bit. And, you know, it turns out it was. Um, Jay was obviously great. I mean, I, I remember being uh, 17 years old in 98 and going to the, the Olympia and I was still 160 pounds and, uh, you know, same, same height, fully grown. And I saw Flex Wheeler and that became my visual standard. It was like, until I look like that, I'm not going to stop. So I think that's what allowed me to become successful. Mm -hmm. And I often try to teach that to young aspiring athletes is you become the standard to which you hold yourself. And the blessing that I had in my life was I still, I hold myself to the standard of until I'm as good as the best in the world, I'm not going to stop. So it was never like, oh, I want to be better than myself last year. Or I want to be better than the guy in my gym or the guy, I want to be the best in my country. Like that was just never something that crossed my mind. It was like, until I look like that, I'm not there. And I, for me, that helped, right? That helped me just never take the foot off the gas pedal because you're getting all these external accolades, right? Everybody around you is like, you're so big. When are you going to stop? And, you know, aren't you happy? And you're just like, I'm not sure what you're looking at because I don't look like that guy, right? Um, and that was a blessing, maybe a curse as well, but that was a blessing to me that allowed me to just never slow down. Did you have any, um, mentors that worked with you directly or was it more of a distance kind of mentorship? And, and, and on that note, you know, what, what do you see as the value of mentors when having big goals? Dan, you know, we stand on the shoulder of giants, man. And I couldn't, I could have been anything if it wasn't for these people who played such a magnificent role in my life. And looking back on it, every one of them brought something very specific that I needed at a very specific time. And, you know, I had early coaches who were, were useful. And some of the people that had the greatest impact on my life were like roommates. I mean, my roommate at Western was pr probably single-handedly responsible for my bodybuilding career. The fact that I became who I became he taught me what intensity was he taught me what effort was and i didn't know what the hell that was i didn't understand it uh, and and i was just like i've never met to this day i've never met a human being that does things as hard as he does um and you know that changed my life and then i got I had another 10-year training partner who taught me what commitment was i mean he was, a, he was a natural level pro bodybuilder and i've never seen someone as committed to their nutrition their training and you know that just carved a place in my mind you know, and then i had a guy who was a pro bodybuilder who uh, took health very seriously. And, you know, he was, he was a competitive pro, but he actually took his health seriously. He's the first pro I've ever met that took his health seriously. So it's this amazing sequence of events of people coming into my life that kind of molded me to the person I became. And, you know, obviously I intentionally latched on to these people because we had parallel values and I liked what they were doing. At the same time, every single one of them was significantly responsible for my success. And I wouldn't be anywhere near where I am or what I became if it wasn't for every single one of those people. So yeah, the, to, to speak to the value of mentors, I mean, I suggest every human being reinvest at least 10% of their annual income into coaching and mentorship because you just expedite the process, wow. right? I mean, I've done that for at least the last 10 years. Uh, just expedite the process. I don't want to have to reinvent the wheel, right? Like it, it's silly. I mean, if you can, if you, you, I think if someone signs up with the right coach and the right mentor, that's in alignment with your values and in alignment with your mission, uh, you, you should be be at least doubling in most instances your income, right? Like if you're doing it, if that's your goal, you're doubling your income. And for me, I, most times in my life, I'd have like a, a life coach, I'd have a business coach, I had a bodybuilding coach. A lot of times I had three different coaches. And uh, just, again, someone to talk to, someone to ask questions to. I remember in 2012, I literally uh, was kind of going down an interesting path in my life. And I hired three new coaches all at the same time because I was like, you know, this idea of you are the five people you surround yourself with. I was like, well, I got to pay to play. I got to pay for the five people I'm going to surround myself with. Because at the time, it was like my, my wife at the time and my kids. It's like, well, that's not good. <laughs> so let's let's step up your game. Man, that's so true. I, um, I owe all of my accomplishments in entrepreneurship to just learning from from other entrepreneurs, whether that be someone who I worked for or someone who I randomly became friends with or, you know, in the absence of that, because a lot of people kind of shrug their shoulders and say, well, I don't know how to get a mentor. You know, I don't have a mentor, so I guess I can't do anything, you know, but, uh, man, mentors are everywhere. 
And whether it's not, if it's not someone directly in your life uh, that you can select, whether that's formal or not, to pay attention to and to listen to and to learn from, there are all kinds of mentors for free that you find on YouTube and on podcasts. Like I would consider, I would say that I have a number of mentors who've never even met me. Right. You have no idea who I am, but I follow everything they do because they are doing something that I want to be able to do. Yeah. Right. And so coming up on the new year, as we are, Dan, I actually intentionally set out three mentors for the entire year. And I go, I want to learn everything I can from these person, these people in this year. So in, in 2021, for me, it's really business focused. So I'm, I want to really become a better entrepreneur. I want to become a better leader. So I literally pick three people and I go, whatever it takes, I'm going to work with these people. And, uh, and I just focus on three because, I mean, I, I could certainly focus on 100, but like I'm going to read all their books. I'm going to take all their courses. If I can work with them personally, I will. If I can afford to, great. So when people speak of like not being able to afford a mentor, it's like, okay, um, how much does a book cost? Nine to $12 on average usually, right? You go on Amazon or Audible, nine to 12 bucks. So read every book that mentor has ever put out. Take detailed notes and then send them a message and go, hey, I'd love to, I mean, for me, it's like, hey, I'd love to interview you on the podcast or, hey, I'd love to intern for you. Or I'd love to pay for an hour every time. Or is there a men is there a mastermind I could be part of? Or how can I learn more from you? I've read everything you've ever had. And if you do that, if someone wrote that to me, which often they do, uh, I'm always like, man, here, like here's my cell phone number, here's my Skype. Let's get on sometime and I'll give you 30 minutes of my time. Because if someone shows that level of commitment, and you probably will agree with this. The challenge in this world is no one commits to anything. Everyone is is like sticking their big foot, big toe in the water and hoping they're going to get to be successful. But someone who actually dives in and shows a level of commitment, chances are I'm going to hire them because it's like, you're the type of person that I want to be around. You're the type of person I want to hire because you've, you've just shown me initiative and follow through. And those two things are, are imperative in building my team. And so rare, those yeah, two things. So rare, so rare, so rare. man. Yeah, um, yeah I, people would be surprised at how many favors they'll get in life if they just put the effort in yeah, and show like like you know don't try to display that you're putting the effort in but actually put the effort in and you know be humble and do the work and you know reach out to people and and be polite and uh man if you can show initiative and follow through then i mean I, and I understand the challenge that people face, right? With knowing where to focus, because there's so much, there's so many people out there who provide value. And uh, I've had this, you know, this is very relevant to, to our conversation today, Dan. It's like recently through plant medicines and, and ultimately uh, psychedelics, I've been able to get so much deeper in tune with my unconscious, with my soul, with my intuition and know what's pulling me, right? So I can literally ask my intuition, what does this path look like for me? And does this feel right? And this is this the path for me? So I know that these three people that I've chosen feel right. That they feel like they're moving me toward my purpose. And so it's not like I want to study everybody. I don't have to go, you don't have to kiss all the frogs to find the, the princess or whatever. It's like I can go and uh, choose these three people knowing that they all feel like they're moving me toward my path. And if at the end of the year, it's only 12 months, if at the end of the year I go, man, you know what? They weren't exactly what I thought of. I still develop a skill set. I still prove to myself that I can follow through on a goal and I've developed something significant. So rather than being uh, an inch deep and a mile wide, I've gone deep on three people and then I've got a skill set, right? And I think that's missing in our society. People just simply don't understand goal setting. They try to just do all these things or follow all these people, listen to all these podcasts and read all these books with what intent, with what direction. And as soon as I learned that, things started to change for me, right? It's like focus. Right. Become a master of one thing first, and then you can become a generalist on other things. Yeah. Uh, are, do you know Patrick about David? Yes. Yes, I do. Uh, great guy. What he always does is instead of reading a whole bunch of books about a whole bunch of different things, he picks one topic and he dives right sure. into it. And he'll yeah. buy every book on that topic and he'll read, 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 read. Yeah. And uh, I've I've started doing that as well a little bit, although I shouldn't Man. be reading more. But so I, again, I, that 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 statement came out of my mouth for many years. Where it's like, oh, you know, I'm good for a couple of weeks and then I'm bad. I'm good for a couple of weeks and I'm bad. I literally wake up every day at four thirty or five now, and the first thing I'll do is I'll usually meditate for you know twenty minutes, and then I'll, I'll read for one to two hours, and, and it's just the only way it always happens. And the challenge for me, I don't know if it's read the same for, for you, two hours. Yeah, usually one to two hours, man. Wow. Um, because you just, 
it's it's there's nobody awake, right? If you get up at four o'clock, there's nobody awake until six or seven. So you're like, I have this time to myself, and this is the most high value thing I do, right? Developing my skills, to develop my understanding. I can do all the business and work stuff later, but the most valuable thing I do in that day right now for me is reading. So I'm going to spend two hours from four to six on average, or four thirty to six thirty reading. You know, on average, I'll be done by six or six thirty. And uh, that's a huge way to accelerate the learning curve. And then you stack on top of that, hey, I'm going for an hour walk, I can do an audiobook. Or I'm going for a two hour drive, I can do an audiobook. So you start stacking things on top. All of a sudden, your reading uh, time gets extensive. So that's, that's the only way I do it, man. I, I always prioritize the most important thing in the, in the morning. Again, if, it's, if I'm writing a book, that first two hours is going to be for writing the book. It's not going to be for reading, right? So it's always changing. Mm. So what three areas are you working on in, with your mentors right now? Uh, so again, starting in 2020, but I'll tell you the three mentors that I've chosen. Uh, so it's Jay Abraham, who's an entrepreneur. It's Russell Brunson, who you probably know. And it's Donald Miller, who some people may or may not know. You probably know who he is. Um, those three guys, I think, just resonate with me the most. And there's more to them than just their, their business acumen, right? It's who are they as people? And I really, I really value people's moral compass, man. Like make, I've made money in the past with assholes, and I refuse to ever do that again. Like my, my new direction in life is... I'm only going to, again, this sounds egocentric maybe, but I only want to be with people that I really connect with on a soul level and that I want to lift them up, right? I accept who they are. I love their, them, their mission, and I want to do whatever it takes to lift them up. And I want to be around those people. And hopefully we can find people who align and um, just do awesome things to help humanity. And that's that's the thing. If you know, I know I'm going to make money no matter where I end up. That's not the goal. The goal is uh, how can I create the greatest impact, provide the greatest value? So the reason I want to study those three guys is, um, I think, between the three of them, there, there's another guy that I would add to that list, but those three guys, um, between the three of them, I think I can have an exceptional understanding of creating and following through on every, any business, right? So if, if you haven't studied those three guys, um, anyone out there who wants to build a business, I believe those three hold the key to building any business, um, and then, so from there, maybe next year it's finance and the year after that, maybe it's leadership and you know, that every year you're stacking these new skills on, but those three guys, and again, I'm happy to go into why, but, um, whether or not it's relevant for this conversation, it's up to you. What kind of businesses are you getting involved in now? I mean, I, I, I see muscle intelligence, of course, that's your, that's your primary community, but you alluded to me off camera that you were kind of more involved with business than what many people actually know. Yeah. Uh, I've got a number of opportunities on my plate, man. I've got, um, I've got a little, some interesting investments. Um, I've got some things happening in the supplement space. I've got some things happening in uh, some fitness apps. Um, I've got some things happening in some high-level uh, optimization coaching businesses. So, you know, I'm kind of, I have kind of had my head in both sides of the ring, right? So it's like, yes, I'm contributing to the development of the systems and the processes and the coaching of the coaches, Right. So if I if I hire coaches to work for my I'm going to teach them the systems, the processes and, and the, the ultimate ultimate getting results. But that's interesting to me. But I've worked on that for 10 years and I, I don't think I'm an expert by any means, but I'm, I'm certainly very competent. Um, but the other side that I'm maybe even more interested in is well, how do we then acquire the customers? How do we grow the business? How do we optimize the, the team? How do we create systems and processes? And that may be even a greater skill set for me than the fitness stuff, which sounds funny coming from a guy who you know, was a professional bodybuilder, but I think it's more interesting to me because I see like, it's almost like it's like a puzzle, right? It's like seeing how all the pieces fit together and going, Absolutely. oh, I got it. And it's like, boom, let, let's do that, right? So it's studying marketing, it's studying leadership, it's studying uh, copywriting, all these things that, again, I don't expect to do those things necessarily, maybe I will, um, but I want to have a very, very good understanding so I can lead the team, I can clarify the message, and I can ultimately acquire customers. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's a really great kind of overview of, of entrepreneurship. What, uh, what inspired you to become an entrepreneur? When did that inflection point happen from bodybuilding to getting more into entrepreneurship? It was completely by accident. So I was, um, 2011, um, I was deep into becoming a professional bodybuilder. Like I was still very much on this single-minded, single-track mind of like going, I'm going to be Mr. Olympia. Like there's no doubt in my mind, I will do whatever it takes to be Mr. Olympia. And my girlfriend at the time got pregnant. So, uh, you know, I was doing okay as a bodybuilder. I was, you know, making I don't know, what most people would say is a good living. But 
uh, I had also had the experience one time, two years, maybe three years prior to that, where I was making about eight grand a month. And I got a call one day and somebody said, hey, unfortunately, we can't pay your, your salary this month. We don't have any money left. And I was like, what? Like, and I was, and I was like, okay. So now I went from making eight grand a month, which is a hundred grand almost to zero overnight. And I was like, but I was by myself. I was single. I had no issue. Right. I figured it out, made some money quickly, made some calls, figured it out. Um, but when you have a child, that's a different story. So I was like, okay, that, you know, that lesson that kind of kicked me in the pants a couple of years prior still rang in my head of like, Hey, that can't happen. Cause the reality is in pro sports and bodybuilding as well. Um, you're only as good as your last contest placing, right? So if I go to the Arnold and I, I suck, everyone goes, oh, he's done. He's a, he's a has-been. He's oh, it's over. It's career's done. And you hear that year in, year out. One bad placing, you're, you know, everyone starts just dropping the bomb on you. So I was like, all right, I have to make sure that I'm, I'm responsible for my own future. So at the time, I had just been hired by a guy who, who went to Western, who you may know, uh, Vince Del Monte. I don't know if you know Vince. And Vince hired me to do his, um, his WBFF, world championship contest preparation. And so I, you know, I trained him for 20 weeks or something like that for the prep. And he goes, man, I've never met anyone in my life who, who understands this. Like you do, you do this so differently than everyone else does. He goes, you should teach this to people. I go, okay, cool, man. Thanks. And I wasn't interested. I didn't know I was a bodybuilder. Uh, and as soon as I got my girl got pregnant, I went to Vince and I was like, Hey man, can you teach me how to turn Vince had an online business? I was like, can you teach me how to turn this into an online business? So we partnered and, um, you know, I'm a pretty thoughtful person. So I became very, um, I became a good student, we'll say. Vince was a brilliant, amazing teacher and he taught me a lot and uh, I became a good student and I became voraciously attached to being a successful entrepreneur at that moment. I was hooked. I mean, our first launch we did, I think about 250K in the first five days. So I was like, okay, this is, this is interesting. And then I'm talking to all these guys wow. around me. Yeah, I'm talking to these guys around me who are doing a million dollars a month or they're doing a $10 million launch in five days. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> uh, and I was like, okay, well, if that's possible for these guys, well, then I'm going to I'm gonna do the same. And you know, that got my ears perked up. And, and that was um, kind of guess how it all began. Man, that's uh, that's incredible. So you, you started getting into online business, just basically you're a subject matter expert in bodybuilding and in supplementation and in training. And then you just turn that into something you could transfer to people at scale online. Yep. Yeah. And I get, I read every business book I can get my hands on because I just love it. Um, so I take as many courses as I can. Um, I just, I find it so interesting. I literally feel like, like I don't, think of it as a job. I don't feel like it as a profession. I just think it's a game. I'm like, it's this game of trying to like get people's attention. Like, how do I, how do I own someone's attention by understanding their psychology, by understanding their behavior or influencing their behavior uh, and getting to giving them something of such tremendous value that you're ultimately solving their problems. You're solving their pains. And you're like, okay, so I get to go in, into their mind, into my own mind and go, Hey, you know, this is what I would have liked you know, the reason I built my gym was nothing to do with anybody else. It was like, Hey, this is what I want. And now everyone else likes it. And that's kind of how I go about business is like, okay, whose problem am I solving? How do I solve their problem in an effective way? And then how do I get it in front of them? That's uh that's a hundred percent true. Um, what role do entrepreneurs play in changing the world right now? Do you see, do you see a, a value, not just in making money, but in, in leading leading and changing in the world? Well, I mean, you see this, man, there, there's very much a vice driven society right now, right? It's all about external immediate gratification. That's not in any way developing character or, or virtue or, uh, you know, discipline and all these things that humans need to thrive and be happy. So we all have you know, the reason I believe that that depression and anxiety is so rampant in society is because people are never um, put under any pressure. They're not, there's, there's never any like, hey, I worked for this and I got that. It's like, if I want to feel good, I go to the store and I buy Oreos. Or if I want to feel good, I flip on Instagram and I, I you know, connect with people and I get dopamine. Or I turn on whatever Pornhub and I go watch porn. There's like, there's no, there's no like pursuit. Like I actually have to develop something and then I get the reward, right? So it's just like reward, reward, reward. So everyone's just walking around these empty shells of human beings that ultimately are never going to be fulfilled. They're never going to feel like they're enough. They're never going to feel adequate because they're never having to go through the challenge, right? You know, it's, it's the, 
the uh, whatever they say, the strongest uh, metals are forged in the, in the hottest fires, right? And that's just it. So you have to go through something to get a reward. And our society is built on comfort and simplicity and ease. So I think there's value in teaching people, which is why I think exercise is the greatest path to do this. If you're already exercising, or even if you're not, it's, it's a controlled opportunity where you're not going to hurt yourself. You don't have to go out and fight a lion or, or you know, get hurt. It's like it's a controlled environment to explore your psyche, to explore your, your laziness, to explore your strength, to explore your confidence, your discipline, your fear, your inadequacy. All of those are going to be put right in front of you on a plate as you come into this workout, right? Am I dependent on something outside of myself to get through this workout, like pre-workouts and caffeine and all these other things? Or do I just sit through the discomfort and actually get through this shit on my own, right? Go through what I have in my soul, give all the energy I've got and know that I'm getting stronger because of it. So today's workout doesn't matter at all, right? It's the person I'm becoming in the process. It's like, who am I going to be in a month, in three months, in three years? So if you're always dependent on something outside of yourself, you're not developing the character. You're not developing the virtue. So go deep inside and sit in the discomfort and sit in the discipline. Move toward the discomfort and discipline, right, rather than away from it. Yeah, and building perseverance as well. Perseverance, persistence, grit. I find a lot of really excellent parallels in the gym as I do in entrepreneurship because a lot of times you know you've just got to grind it out for a long period of time and experience the discomfort and and finding the joy in it right so when you're grinding it out it can be like oh my god that was so hard and it was so terrible and it was so uncomfortable which is ultimately making you a victim to the workout or it can be yeah man I stepped into that I loved it I enjoyed it I did it for myself I got better I got to work out just that little flip in perspective change you from being a victim to that workout. Like, oh, that was terrible. It's so hard. Right. I don't know why I did that. I don't want to do it again. To now being empowered and going, fuck yeah, I just crushed that shit. Yeah. And, 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 and being realistic about it, because you see everyone is, you know, hashtag crushed it today, which is comical. But it, being realistic, like, hey, man, I, I'm doing some good for myself. And rather than uh, have to go work out. Right? Yeah. No, micro wins. Micro wins. You go to the gym, you get a little win, and you just, you, you know, you build confidence bit by bit, right? Yeah. How important is mindset to winning in life, whether it's competition or in business? I think it's everything. And I don't even know that it's mindset, right? It's, it's um, you know, that word is often used, but I think it's this, it's this dynamic state, this like mind flow almost, where, um, you know, I, I constantly want to be um, existing at my highest and best. And it's, um, you know, no one is ever the same person minute to minute, day to day, right? You show up as varying versions of the same being. And the I think the path is simply uh, in every moment being present enough and aware enough and mindful enough to make the conscious decision. Am I stepping into empowerment or am I stepping into victimhood? In every in every instant, there's a decision. Like, am I showing up at my highest and best or am I showing up as a victim, right? Am, am I choosing laziness? Or am I choosing strength? And it's always just this, uh, you know, it's big self and small self, right? Am I stepping into my my highest and best, my big self, my uh, my person who's like ultimately in alignment with my soul? Or am I stepping into the small self, the instant gratification, the external gratification, the the lying, the uh, like the little stuff? It's honesty versus lying. It's always this like black and white, right? It's light and dark. Yeah, and um, the self-talk. What's your, what's your views on self-talk? Do you have any practices on self-talk? Man, that, that's a good question. That I, and it, it actually hits home for me right now. And not because it's of myself, because of my son. My son has this interesting habit he's picked up somewhere about um, negative with negative self-talk. And I, and I know it's in, intuitively or innately human. Um, but I'm exploring it now. And maybe this is why he's, he's presenting it to me, because I need to have a greater understanding of it. But self-talk is massive. And, you know, my perspective is often just like, so for him, again, I'm, I'm, I'm right in the middle of this thing, exploring it, so I don't have the answer. But um, so for him, I'm just saying that in that moment, trying to get his brain thinking about something he's grateful for about that. So if he just said, oh, dad, I'm really bad at this. What do you say to that as, as an eight-year-old boy? Like, what do you say to that? So you know, my brain as an adult goes to starting to accept your darkness and your shadow and your light. But as an eight-year-old, he can't understand that. So as an eight-year-old, how do you start explaining to a child 
um, hey man, like you're doing awesome at everything you do. And the fact you're working on something and willing to go toward it and fail, willing, you have the strength and the courage to go towards something and not succeed every time. That is courage and that is success. That's a win. Most people aren't, don't even have the courage to go and step into that. Um, but his mind still goes back to, oh, I suck. I did a bad job. So it's, man, I get, the answer is I don't know the answer, <laughs> uh, but it's definitely an important part of it. And you definitely don't want to get stuck in a loop in my eyes of the negative self-talk. Yeah, I think uh, I think that's one of the most important aspects of of uh, running a business and actually getting through anything that's hard is talking yourself through it. Um, and it's something you can change too. you know, you can work on that. Yeah, I think one of the things maybe my mother did for me and uh, she, you know, th- this this belief and, and it's complete ignorance, but it served me is this, this belief that I can do absolutely anything. And I think my mother did that for me by, by telling me that over and over and over again as a child. It's like, if anyone in the world can do it, so can you. And at the time, you don't understand that, but it's so deeply ingrained in my unconscious that I just don't stop, man. Like, I don't think I'll win every time, but I just certainly won't stop. Like, you're going to give up well before I stop. And uh, I just, there's nothing that I, I've ever failed on in my life, knock on wood, because I just don't stop, right? Like, if I don't have to sleep or if I, if I, if I, you know, I just won't sleep, right? I'll just get it done. Let's keep going and going and going. And that's why I don't have a doubt that whatever I decide to start, I will fall. If I decide I want to start it, I will complete. Um, yeah, so I don't know, man, that maybe that's just... Uh, and if you it. say that, it becomes true. Because... Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, and again, sure, being a bodybuilder probably reinforced that even more because there were so many times when I wanted to stop. But I knew my integrity was such that, like, hey, man, you committed to this. Like, you're not stopping now, and you got to stand on stage in your underwear. Like, you better go. And maybe that was the, the blessing of teaching me integrity and teaching me persistence, right? Um, but, yeah, I think everyone should attempt to develop that sense of confidence in themselves where if you say you're going to do it, you just figure out a way. Cool, man. Um Another question or two uh, I wanted to ask you about podcasting because you're very successful in this space. And then, uh, yeah, we can wind down for this one. Cool. Sound good. Uh, So how has podcasting changed your life? Tell you what, man, the irony of podcasting for me is I started in 2013. So I've been doing it for quite a while. And the reason I started was because I was a terrible communicator and I wanted to learn. So I don't know if you know my story, Dan, like at least the story that I attached to from when I was a child is um, I, had a, I had a speech impediment, so I had a stutter. I had a learning disability and I was obese. So I had like the trilogy of, of like all the, the shittiness of being a child. At least that's the story that I tell myself. And I say that because my, my learning or my, my speech impediment was not necessarily a speech impediment. What it was was deep ingrained embodied fear. So my dad had a very violent temper when I, when I was a child. So uh, anytime I would stand in front of him, if he was angry, I would just internalize and shake. So when I would stand in front of an adult or someone who I viewed as an adult, up until I was in my almost university, I would become very afraid and I would have a hard time speaking to them. So it came across as like having a stutter. I was like, wow, that's interesting. Uh, And this learning disability, you know, I was told I had dyslexia when I was a kid. Maybe I do, maybe I don't, doesn't matter. And then I was obese because I came from a family of overweight alcoholics. So, you know, I obviously solved the obesity thing by being a professional bodybuilder, but I still, I mean, I went to university, I did okay with that. But I still felt some degrees of inadequacy when it came to communication and education. So I said, you know what? I hate public speaking. I'm not very good at it. I want to become better at it. I want to become a better communicator. I want to become a better listener. So what's the best way to do it? And start a podcast. So I started the Muscle Expert podcast in 2013. It was just like, I want to call people that I know, like Dorian, like Kai Green, like all these great um, legends of the past. And go, hey, man, let's talk about muscle building. And uh, it, it gave me so many amazing gifts, including an amazing network. Uh, including a new ability to think, including putting, holding my feet to the fire where you're getting a guest on, you got to read their book and you got like three days. You got to like, you got to understand who this person is and what they're about. So it's just like putting pressure on yourself to do something significant, to, to improve the things that maybe you're not so good at. Um, so that's what it's done for me, man. It, for me, it was just this absolute blessing. I mean, I think I've got multiple PhDs worth of education in the last seven years because I can call anyone in the world and go, hey, I'd love to have a conversation. You know, my podcast is this, this money downloads, uh, you know, would you like to be a guest? And I was like, oh, sure. Um, so you know, you're talking to someone for 90 minutes and you're downloading their entire life story, or at least as much as you can in 90 minutes. And, uh, you know, as well as creating an amazing network. So it's been an absolute blessing, man. And I've learned so much and it's allowed me to help millions and millions of people, right? We do about 4 million downloads a year. 
Um, so it's not huge, but it's significant. And uh, now to be able to help that many people, and, and the number one statement I get, and you'll get this once your podcast kicks off, is like, you know, help my, you changed my life. You know, people like you said, people call me their mentor, and I've never met them, and I think that's a huge honor. So then, how do I get to that that scale? Like, how you know what what yeah. what are your tips for delivering high quality content in your podcasts, and also? you know, networking is the, is the big hurdle with something like sure. this, you know, you have sure. to get good people on who have their own networks. Well, uh, I'll tell you the key. I think the single key, if there is one is, um, clarifying your message and it's making sure that whatever messaging you are putting forth is very clear and very desirable. So, um, if you're, if you're helping people raise the consciousness through optimization of body and mind, Right. That's kind of where I'm going. Now. Um, you need to very clearly state that at the beginning and end of every podcast and ask every question with that intention. So everything kind of pulls back to that common intention. Right. So you wouldn't then have to go on to talk about finance because it doesn't line up unless you can find a way to make it line up. So when someone comes to the podcast, they know exactly what you have, what you're offering. And if it's if it's for them, great. If it's not, they're out. And it should be that polarizing. I think the biggest mistake people make in podcasts is they just talk about everything. They just have a conversation and people don't know what to expect because people's lives are very busy. So I want to know exactly what problem you're solving for me in the intro of the podcast. So like the, the consistency piece, but also in the way you introduce a podcast, like what problem are you solving for me in this podcast? Because I want to know, is this next hour worth my time or not? Right. Right. And, and that's really important. So I like to pre-frame everything in such a way that's like one overarching question. So you and I are going to do a podcast today. I'm going to say there's one overarching question that I want to understand about Dan and about how you're contributing to the world. And if I do that and I can convey that to my audience, they're they're either going to know like, hey, this is awesome or this is shit. And you're going to have 50% of the people that are going to love it and they're going to want to come back. And you have 50% of the people who hate it and they're not going to come back, but that's okay. And always asking people to share and saying, hey, like, you know, at the end of every podcast, I say, hey, if you know someone, if you know or love someone who you think might enjoy this content, I would love it if you would share. And that seems to help. So, um, simple things, man. It's like asking, cause these people are your most loyal fans and you say, Hey guys, if you really enjoyed this and, and you know, someone who would enjoy it too, I would appreciate it if you'd share. I'm sure they would too. Awesome. And getting guests, what's your tip for networking there? Um, start with, I mean, you're doing it already. Start with the network of people, you know, who have this most significant platforms now that's giving you credibility, right? You, like you don't want to start with your mom and your, your sister and your uncle and like just to get numbers, it doesn't work. So, you know, my first couple of guests were, um, I don't know, like my first couple of podcasts when I did Muscle Expert was just me and I don't know if you know Dr. Jacob Wilson, but him and I just kind of went back and forth and talked muscle building research and data. And then it was like Dorian and Kai and John Meadows and some guys who, who have significant platforms. And because I had a platform, it also obviously helped. Um, but that's probably your number one mechanism. And, and I think if your message of the podcast is in alignment with the person who you're trying to get on, like if you call someone and you go, hey, man, like I'm the owner of Solterra and I have a podcast where I'm trying to help people ultimately overcome the trauma of their youth to live their highest and best. Like, oh, it doesn't matter how many downloads you got. Like, that sounds like something I want to talk about. So let's go do that. Right. And, and you know, there's a book called Traffic Secrets. If you haven't read it by Russell Brunson, I'd get it. And he talks about um, like reaching out to your top 100. Like, Who's the top 100 people in your life that you'd love to have on a podcast or you think your audience already watches? And reach out to them. And of those 100, 10 may go, yes. And the other 90 are going to go, they're not going to respond. They're going to say no. Fine. But now at least they got 10. And then I can start building on that, right? Sure. That's the way she goes, I guess, eh? Only way. Okay. Well, good, man. I feel uh, I feel very fortunate that you made time for me today. Really appreciate it, especially over the holidays, man. You know? Pleasure, um, man. I'm glad I could. You're there with your family right now in Tampa, correct? Yep. yep. Good stuff. Right on, man. Well, uh, thanks again. How do people find you? I mean, they probably know more about you than they do about me. So, <laughs> oh man, I think if they're listening to your podcast, they may enjoy mine. It's a muscle intelligence podcast, and that's a great way to get in touch. Uh, Instagram is usually where I communicate. Uh, I'm, I'm doing my best to switch over to Twitter. Actually, Instagram's got some interesting privacy stuff going on that I'm going to walk away from pretty soon. So I'm actually going to be increasing my podcast frequency in 2021, just going to three times a week from two times a week. So two guest interviews in one uh, personal, uh, you know, just by myself or a Q&A format. 
I just like the idea of my audience having kind of an unadulterated uh, view into what I'm talking about, what I'm doing. So I'm going to go deep on the podcast in 2021, and I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, and muscleintelligence.com if you want to get workouts, programs, coaching, things like that that exists. Right on, folks. Heard it from the source. Check out Ben's stuff. He's got a wicked podcast and a ton of awesome content and educational and inspirational stuff and useful stuff on muscle intelligence. That's that's all at benpikulski.com, isn't it? Uh, muscleintelligence.com is, I mean, benpikulski.com is old. It hasn't been updated in 10 years, but you can oh. still, it's still there. I but uh, muscleintelligence.com. All right, cool, man. We'll take five then? Yes. Thanks, Dan. All right, cheers. The Daniel Cleland Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today for the Daniel Cleland Podcast. We truly enjoy you sharing your time with us. If you enjoyed the episode as much as we enjoyed sharing it with you, please like the episode, review the podcast, subscribe. If you're not already subscribed, these likes and reviews and subscriptions are the lifeblood of our show. So free for you, super important for us. Like, subscribe, and review. Thank you so much. Of course, this podcast would not be possible without the continued amazing sponsorship of Soltara Healing Center in Costa Rica. If you feel called to work with plant medicines, ayahuasca, shamanismo, curanderismo from Peru, from the Peruvian Amazons to Costa Rica, check out Soltara Healing Center at soltara.co or conveniently 1-800-397-1730 or look us up on social media at Sultara Healing Center. All kinds of great content, nonstop, coming out, down the pike, every day, just for you. Thanks again so much for joining. I appreciate it beyond words and I look forward to doing many more of these episodes for you and connecting. If you want to reach out to me, there's a contact form on my website, danielcleland.com. Feel free to hit me up. I read every email and try to respond to all of them. Thanks again. Much love to you. And I hope we get to catch up soon. All the best.